Thanks for listening to this podcast of Trending with Timory. If you haven't already subscribed, please catch us wherever you love to listen to your podcast, from the Relevant Radio app to Apple, YouTube, you name it, we are there. And if you listen on Apple Podcasts, please be sure to go and give us a five-star review to help other people discover the podcast. Anything you share in terms of episodes, whether it's texting it to a friend, posting on social media, helps to build up the kingdom for God to help confront the challenging issues we face as a culture, but with joy, with hope, and with an eternal perspective where our faith collides with everyday life, bringing eternal principles to help us live our life joyfully. So, what's trending? Bridging your Catholic faith with your everyday life. You're listening to Trending with Timory on Relevant Radio. the OJs to get us right in this mood. Welcome to uh, Trending with Timory. Clearly, I am not Timory. My name is Damon Owens, and I'm honored to be a uh, guest host this evening on this last Friday of the first month of 2023. Uh, again, it's uh, a great privilege. We continue to pray for Timory and her wonderful just uh, moments now with her new baby. Um, my family, my home has always known what a joyful time it is leading up to, but also that precious time uh, with that newborn and looking into the baby's eyes and really getting to know one another. So we continue to pray and celebrate uh, Timory and her, during her maternity leave. And as I said, it is an honor uh, to be with you. My name is Damon Owens. I'm a uh, speaker, a full-time evangelist, literally for the last 20 years, speaking primarily on theology of the body, if you're familiar with that. If not, you'll get to know that over the time I'll spend with you in the show. Uh, but uh, it's a privilege really traveling around the country, around the world these past few decades. I am married. My beautiful wife, Melanie, and I will be celebrating 30 years, 30 years of marriage coming up in April. We're excited about that. And the Lord has blessed us with eight children. And as I've said so often, all boys except the first seven. Are you with me? A house full of beautiful young ladies. Well, half house. We've My four oldest have made their way into the world as young adults. Uh, I've got four still at home, and I'm asking them to be very quiet while dad's on the radio for the next hour. But I've been really excited about this. I've been um, preparing in the best ways that I can, obviously with prayer and with you know studying the great work that Timory's done here. And I even got a haircut. And I figured you know if I'm going to be on radio, the hair's got to look good. My wife gave me a beautiful cup of uh, chamomile tea. How's that? I've got a candle burning here. I've got the whole mood thing going here, and I think that's going to be necessary for our conversation today. As I was thinking the, uh, you know, for where we are right now, so much, obviously, going on in the world, but grounding back to this new year, to this uh, literally last Friday of this first month of the year, we're still in that early tender stage of our resolutions for the year, all good as they are, but it's Friday. So this is the day, you know, the payday, and uh, that's why I love the great entry here from the OJs for the love of money. 
<laughs> love that song. So I am, I'm, I'm doing well. And uh, we're going to be chatting today with some friends of mine, good friends of mine, who are doing fantastic work in helping uh, everyone, but really for, for this day and age, this gen, for uh, dealing with money and not just dealing with, but flourishing in that right understanding, the right mentality, the right um, preparation, even the right recovery for those of us who've had challenging or bad money decisions over the years. So I hope at this hour I get a chance to hear from you. Uh, we're at 888 We'll be opening up the lines shortly during and after our conversation with, uh, with our guests coming up. But, you know, as I thought about the, the whole money question, I just thinking about my own past, my own sort of history and relationship with money. And it's been, it's been, uh, it's been tumbling. It's really been tumultuous. I remember when I was about 13, I was, uh, had this opportunity. I'm really aging myself here, but just stay with me. There was a, another kind of gas crisis going on. And, uh, I remember I was always looking for entrepreneurial, entrepreneurial ways of making money, even at, you know, 12, 13 years old. And I had this wonderful idea, which I actually did, thanks to my my now past mom. She says, you know, all these people are waiting in line. All these people are waiting for their gas. And back in the day, it was your drive, your your license plate, and they would do odd and even days. And even the odd and even days of your license plate, there were still lines all the way around the corner. And uh, I, my mom had this great idea, and I jumped at it, got a big pot of coffee, borrowed it from the parish, and then uh, took some day-old donuts from the store that I work with, ShopRite, the, the grocery store, and literally on a cart, walked up and down this long line of, of cars. And the joy, the joy of people seeing, oh, I'll take some coffee. I'll take one of those donuts. I never expected that. I was looking at the money. I was like, man, you know how much money I could make? So from the beginning, there was always this sense that, you know, I could do more to have more. And that early success really gave me, I think, that spark to know that there's there's really not much of a top end in terms of earning. It would take another five years before I came face to face on the debt side. <laughs> the reality that you actually have to you get a credit card, you got you to pay that thing off. And then, of course, the big anvil that dropped on my head regarding money was after graduating college. And getting that dreaded, that dreaded first college loan bill. So anyway, my story is up and down, and uh, but it's 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 a time now, the beginning of this year, and of course a Friday. Many of us are getting paid on our Fridays, either monthly or or weekly, at the end of this month. So let's talk money. So again, I am delighted to bring uh, some friends of mine, uh, Jonathan and Amanda Texera. They are the founders of Wallet Win. And you may have seen them before if you've uh, been Googling or looking for your own help and counsel around this money issue. But their work in helping couples caught uh, my beloved Melanie and my attention a few years ago as we were hosting the Catholic Marriage Summit and wanted to make sure that uh, you know we had good treatment beyond the theology of the body and great questions of sex and sexuality, that we covered this, this money issue well. So we're just delighted. I'm delighted to bring them on with us now, Jonathan and Amanda Texera of WalletWin. Hey, guys, you with us? We're with you. Thank you so much for having us. Yeah, it's a pleasure. Thank you. Yeah, I'm, I'm holding back my envy because I understand you're not in Omaha, where I know they're usually from. You're you're basking in Cozumel. Can I can I out you like that? 
<laughs> oh, you just did. Uh, yeah, we are <laughs> we're actually taking part in the couples getaway being put on by the Messy Family Project, Mike and Alicia Hernan. Uh, so oh, we're here yes. with, uh, I think, a little over 50 other Catholic couples just uh, taking a little bit of time. It's part vacation, part retreat, part having fun. And uh, yeah, so we're in Mexico, but we are happy to join you here tonight. Fantastic. We're so glad to have you. So let's put us in this mindset about, you know, faithful Catholics and just at the top of the funnel, maybe the top of the story, you know, our relationship with money. And you guys have a great story about how you started Wallet Win after your own struggles and successes in uh, in managing your own money, but then came up with, with, with many principles. And I know you have your, your Wallet Win Academy we'll talk about in just a moment, but maybe you could just start by by orienting us as faithful Catholics, how do you teach the relationship with money that both edifies our faith but also helps us to be to be in this world? Yeah, well, there's a whole lot about money that uh, mom and dad haven't taught us usually, <laughs> and then maybe even less that father never really preached about or that we picked up in our religious education growing up. So. We fill in some of those gaps because if, if we don't, if we were left without that knowledge. And so we took, took whatever was out there and applied it to our lives. And usually that's coming from credit card companies, uh, people who you know want to make money off of you and your ignorance and how to actually handle this. And when you really dive into it, there's a whole lot there. God wants to speak to us through money. It's, one, it's a primary teaching tool that he uses to help us understand more about the spiritual life. And the church has actually, you know, taught a decent bit about money, about its role, about how we should interact with one another that way. And so as you go into it, you get you know, deeper, you know, you get a greater understanding of finances. But also through that, God gets to work on a couple of things in your own life. Yeah, you know, let's think about that too, Amanda, about maybe the extremes. You know, one extreme being, um, you know, just don't worry about money. God will provide everything at all times. And anytime you get near money, it'll just, it'll just spoil or bring us away from God. And then the other side that says, Hey, you know, the more money we make for the kingdom, it really just matters how we do it. How do you, how do you address sort of those extremes of, you know, whether we engage fully in money or whether we simply just allow God to flow through us? You know, I think that, I mean, our culture tends to drive us to extremes. And sometimes even our human tendency is, you know, we want things to be black and white or we want to go to one extreme or the other. But one of the beautiful things that I love about being Catholic is that sometimes the church doesn't necessarily tell tell us exactly what to think, but she forms us Mm. in how to think about a situation. Um, And when it comes to money, I think one of the most fundamental questions that we have to ask ourselves as Catholics is, how is God asking me to be in a relationship with money? If we look at the lives of the saints, he's called them to wildly different things. Some were called Mm. to take a vow of poverty. Many were, some were called to just be in the world, but live simply. Some were kings and queens who had literal, you know, in today's terms, billions of dollars at their disposal. But what's the thread between all of it? They were called to holiness and they responded to that and that they used their money in light of their vocation and what God was calling them to do. And so for mm-hmm. all of us, that's how that's that first lens through which we need to view what we're going to be called to with money. It's not inherently right or wrong, you know, to have 
to be called to simplicity or to have money. Um, what really we're asked to do is to engage with it in the right way, um, according to what the church has revealed to us. And then there's a few practical sources of wisdom about handling money, but really it's responding to God with the unique vocation that he's put in our lives. Yeah, it's interesting. And I wonder uh, how much of that now gets challenged even more because of the easy accessibility to debt, the easy accessibility to you know consumer spending. I remember I was literally a freshman in college back in the day, and there was already a table in the quad for a local bank that gave you, you know, a $500 credit card. And I can only imagine, you know, what's available now. And then on top of that, the whole issue of, of college debt. So, I mean, how, how, do you, how do you speak to the current challenge of being good stewards of money? You know, we really, you know, we're always cognizant of just trying to get people to not only understand that God wants to be part of their finances, He wants to be involved, um, but that He's calling them to live virtue with money. And there's so many struggles that people are up against right now, whether it's student loans or it's families battling inflation. But that first thing to do, practically speaking, is to invite God in. And most of us, you know, Jonathan and I included, we never learned how to do that. Um, other, you know, other than maybe run to God in an act of desperation when we, you know, felt a financial pinch. We didn't know any other way to really bring him into our money and to learn what to do with it. You know, so when we began our marriage and we were facing the student loans, as so many in our generation have come up against, um, when we really began to dive into the church's teachings and the richness that she has to offer around finances, we discovered that, you know, paying off debt just in and of itself, um, isn't necessarily what we're after here. What we're mm. after is freeing us up so that we can say yes to whatever God's going to ask us to in our life. And so that's the springboard from which we need to approach how we handle money on a practical level is, is this freeing me up to have a greater yes, a greater fiat to him and his will and whatever he's asking us of? Um, and when that's the driving and the motivation, a lot of the more practical things just come along easier. Sure. So I'm wondering too, you guys have worked with so many couples and I know now with your wallet, win Academy, you're, you know, there's people coming from all different states of life and different situations. Is there a trend or anything that you might be seeing Jonathan with the people that are approaching you in terms of what they need or the situation that they're in, maybe just reflecting a little bit on what our listeners uh, may be, may be dealing with right now. What are you seeing right now, Jonathan? Well, there's, there's usually a, an event in somebody's life or in a family's life that will make, they'll kind of trigger off this, this uh, journey, this, this inquiry into, well, how do we handle money? What, what should we do? Because what we're doing right now isn't really working. Uh, and so that, what, sometimes that's getting married, that's having a child, that's getting, like you said earlier, that first student loan bill, changing jobs, whatever it might be. There's these little you know, wake-up moments uh, that God gives us in our lives where we, we're just more open to looking into maybe sprucing some things up around the house, right? How to, uh, how to handle things that are more fully integrate our faith into the rest of our lives. Uh, so we've got that, and then I mean, I touched on it a little bit earlier, but I feel like everybody is feeling the pinch now uh, with inflation, 
certainly food costs have gone up a whole lot. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know what what you what your family was able to get by on, or even heck, thrive on last year, maybe you're barely getting by now, and you're sacrificing a lot of things. And a lot of times, families will come to us, and there's a little bit of a disconnect, and it's it's not um, purposeful or anything, but their priorities aren't being lived out in the bank account. And so we help, uh, we help folks understand what their priorities are. And then you use that to inform how you're going to spend your money. So making your budget isn't just about where, where you're going to spend money and what, what bills you're going to pay. It's how is God asking to move in the world? How is he asking me to take care of those under my charge, my family? And what do I need to do? What money do I need to spend in order to say yes? Wow. Yeah. And I, and my mind is going to all these, these situations, especially where you live in the countries, in the, in the United States or even in, mm-hmm. in Canada, where you live matters so much in terms of not only the dreams you were just talking about, but the, the decisions that can be made about where you live, uh, how you eat, you know, medical care, you know, things that would be either fundamental or be, I guess you would call it discretionary. You've got your, your language. But one of the things that I love about your story is that uh, faithful, even while you were still average missionary income, you guys paid off $25,000 of debt in seven and a half months. And that story is a great story in and of itself. But the fact that you then, you know, encapsulated what you've learned, you did the study that you just, you had mentioned earlier, and now you offer that, that sort of coaching and, and counseling through, you know, through WalletWin and your, and your service. And I, as you know, you know, I work very much in marriage and helping couples with our joyful ever after our ministry Uh, and money and sex are the two big things that are, that are learned and can be the the great dividers. So just in, in great, great awe of what you guys are doing right now. Um, Where do you see the uh, let's talk a bit about the, the college debt issue. I might just watched a, a documentary on that. Uh, what are you guys seeing in terms of the sort of the the uh, the debilitating challenge of college debt payments when it comes to the dreams and building your plan? Oh my goodness! I mean, this has probably been the number one challenge of students who will come and find us. Is and when Jonathan and I, you know, we graduated from college. I'm going to date ourselves a little bit back in 2008. Um, between the two of us, we we had about, you know, $25,000 in student loans, which at the time was about an average amount. But wow. as time has gone on, we all know what's happened with college tuition. But we, if we thought this last year was inflationary, I mean, we haven't even peeked under the hood at what college has been doing over the last 20 years. Mm. And so our, our $25,000 in loans from 2008 look like pennies. We are seeing and meeting couples and individuals that are graduating college, you know, public or private universities with 50000 then it was 80000 then it was 100000 Now we're meeting people with $150,000 in student oh, loan debt. Lord. Oh, and my Lord. And it's just crushing. And, you know, they're graduating, and then we, you know, have the, the last couple of years that felt like the ultimate financial whiplash for so much of us of just not knowing what to expect or what to predict or what's going on with the job market. Um, and it's just brought a lot of anxiety to people 
because they have the equivalency of a mortgage on top of their regular living expenses. And for somebody that's just graduating and going into an entry-level position, that can truly be crippling. And honestly, that was, you know, part of our story. But then we saw friends of ours, you know, that either had to stop stop staying on staff as missionaries or they wanted to enter religious life and couldn't because they had student loans. That problem has not gone away for people. People Mm. over the last decade, it's even gotten worse. They feel like they can't be generous with God, whether they want to join a religious order or they want to have one spouse stay home or they want to welcome another child. They always have this student loan debt also involved in the conversation of what might they be called to next. And we're on a mission to end that. You know, we want to end that so we can raise up a financially literate and generous generation of Catholics. So student loan debt and us, we've got a little bit of a bone to pick with with that one. And hopefully there'll be some reform on that in the next, who knows, but college tuition just can't keep going up at the same rate that it has. Yeah, and these folks graduating with high five-figure or even six-figure loads of debt. I mean, these are not just the doctors, the lawyers. It's come up across the board. Um, And and even, you know, with degrees that aren't going to get you a very high-paying job. And so, yeah, there's all sorts of different uh, reasons and issues that have all just come together. Probably one of them on their own would have uh, inflated tuition enough but all of them working together, piggybacking on top of each other has made it just unbelievable and frankly unsustainable. Uh, and we're feeling the fallout of that. And we're seeing it in some ways, or maybe we're seeing the, by not seeing certain things, it's the evidence of that even in the church. Mm-hmm. So yeah, one of the things that we do with people that work through our program is help them to make sure their kids are not set up on that same trajectory um, that, you know, we're watching the fallout of that in an entire generation. And so how can we think smarter about college and maybe what our kids are called to or what levers could we pull to make this less of a burden? Um, And actually something that, you know, helps our kids transition fully into adulthood and whatever they're called to um, without it being something that cripples them at the starting line of their adult life. Yeah, I love the phrase you use with literacy and generosity. Those are those are beautiful synergy to to know what things are, and and to know the difference between, you know, good debt and bad debt, or you know whether that cashback offer for that credit card is is really a temptation, but also the the, the balance of the good things like college. And uh, there's a documentary that I saw on YouTube, a borrowed future, I think it's called, and I could not believe some of the numbers you just shared. When it comes to average students in terms of coming to college and making decisions and financial and not realizing until years later, you know, the kind of, of debt that's, uh, that's that they're that they're under. Uh, we're coming up on our on our break here. And I wonder if there's if there's um, the, the first thing that's on your heart when it comes to inviting people to that literacy and generosity. What, what are some of the more affective things that that you would offer to listeners now as they're really under that burden? Uh, of, of, of financial debt? I'd say first and foremost, just to understand, yeah, you know, maybe we weren't careful. Maybe we made some bad choices and maybe knowledge with some knowledge behind it. Um, those are in the past, uh, like all sorts of mistakes that we make, right? Uh, 
our Lord died for that. He for, you know, go to confession if we need to, uh, and that a new a new path forward is possible and is something that we 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 can actually go down. Um, in order to do that, it takes a little bit of work. I. I just want to clarify, in case somebody's sitting there thinking, oh my gosh, I got a student loan and now I'm... No, no, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah, sure, sure, sure. Yes, absolutely, that is not the case. It's, I wouldn't say you have to get a confession for that. Of other things, maybe, uh, how, you, how you misused money and how knowledgeable you were of that, all that. Um, but the, the idea is that, right, the past is past. We can, we can go forward in the future, right? The best time to plant a tree in your yard was 10 years ago. The second mm. best time is today. It's the same, or is it, it's the same thing with money. Um, you know, you can do it now. You can wait, you know, for the next life event that's going to try to wake you up. But if you do it now, you're going to be a whole lot happier when that life event comes next. So just whatever it is, start. And I'd say, first, you have to understand your relationship with money. What do you think money is? What was it like in the household you were growing up in? Mm. What's your, your personal history between the two of you? And um, it's not always, you know, something you got to work out and it's, it's mom's fault or anything like that. But it's good to have that self-knowledge of how you work. How did God design you? What kind of personality do you have? Well, how does that play into your finances? Yeah. So you understand how you, your unique, you know, life has interacted with money. And from there, you can get, you can start getting practical. You can make that budget and decide where that money is going to go. You can get a little bit of a buffer between you and life. You can get a month ahead and you can really start seeing progress in your life. That's great. We're about to take our a break here. Uh, will you guys be available to stick around for a couple of questions? We got a caller here with some questions after our break. Sure thing. Absolutely. Excellent. Good. So we're going to take our first break here. We are talking money. My name is Damon Owens. Here's this uh, trending with Timory with Amanda and Jonathan Texera. Stay with us on the other side of the break. The best thing. Listening to Trending with Timory, where you can discuss what matters most to you. Join the conversation, 888-914-9149. Hello, welcome back to Trending with Timory. My name is Damon Owens, your guest host. We continue to pray for Timory and her postpartum joy with her baby. And we are talking money here with our good friends, Jonathan and Amanda Texera of WalletWin. And they were dropping some of their wisdom about uh, our relationships with money, the challenges that we have before our break. And um, love to hear what you're dealing with. Good, bad, and no. Got a good story. Got a a troubling story. Uh, Call us in, 888-914-9149. We'd love to hear uh, what you're feeling and thinking and experiencing now regarding money as a faithful Catholic and living out that great call of stewardship. And we have Nick on the line calling us from St. Paul, Minnesota, what looks like a, a really, really good story. Welcome, Nick. Hi, thanks for taking my call. Back when I was single, I'm 67, so this is way ancient history here. But basically, you know, I was spending money that I didn't have, buying things I didn't need, trying to impress people I didn't like, you know, the usual. (laughs) And basically, 
there was a book that just I found was very helpful. Let me recommend it. It's called How to Get Out of Debt, Stay Out of Debt, and Live Prosperously by Gerald Mundus. And it was mm. based on the principles of Debtors Anonymous. And basically, mm. he said, you know, you don't need some two-year plan, et cetera, et cetera. It just do it one day at a time. Between now and the time you, don't, you go to bed, don't charge anything. And then the next day, same mission. And I actually took a legal pad, 50 pages in a legal pad and a big magic marker, and I numbered the pages, one, two, three, four. And I was eventually able to link a thousand consecutive days together. Wow. And I still have the you know, 250 page, the 500th page, the 1000th page. And the situation is, is that, you know, basically if you had to have that, uh, impulse item, well, you'd be starting back over from day, you know, 200 down to day one again. Hmm. And another trick that I used is that when I say don't charge anything, way back then I allowed myself one credit card, and that was an oil company one. So, you know, you couldn't put a TV set on an oil company credit card, you know? Right, right. And and, uh, so that was my vow. If, If I couldn't pay that off at the end of the month, I wasn't going to uh, use it again. And there were a couple times I was, you know, getting groceries at the get, same gas and I got my gas just because that week was incredibly lean. Another yeah. trick is I took a 50 and then eventually a $100 bill, put plastic around it before you laminate it and you stick it in the back of your wallet. And the lamination is kind of a pain to get off. But if you really, really get in trouble, you'll find a way to get it off. But if you just want an ice cream cone, and fight the lamination for five or ten minutes. Yeah. Well, Nick, I don't know if you were you single at the time. Was this? Were you a family? Were you married? What was your state of life? Single, single and stupid. Way back when. Single. <laughs> well, but it sounds like you were working on some real, some real virtues there, Jonathan. What, what do you hear when you hear that story about folks having to bootstrap and find their their own way back in the day? What does that? How does that square with the, some of your experience in WalletWin? I think that's really great. Uh, it, it speaks to this bit of this, how we're created, right? We want to see the progress that we're making. So, you know, putting the, the marks down on the paper and especially celebrating and making note of those milestone days. Uh, we can do that, you know, whether it's not charging or not going out to eat. If there's a habit you want to break, like, that's great. If it's a habit you want to start, you can do the same thing. And if you're, you know, paying off debt or saving up for a particular thing, I'd encourage you to uh, to do the same thing, right? Mark or keep track of how much you're paying off or how much you know you're saving up, and just celebrate whatever you know whatever that looks like for you. But celebrate some of those milestones. Celebrate the first hundred bucks, the first thousand bucks, you know, uh, because our brains are hardwired. God made us. Um to right, respond to things that we get uh, these little dopamine hits for, right? These little just rewards mm-hmm. built into us. And so if we can help those things happen when we are making wise financial decisions, well, that's fantastic. We're using a built-in reward system that God gave us to help us live a more virtuous life with money. Yeah, what I love about what uh, Nick was sharing was that, you know, he, he, he took agency, right? He took, you know, ownership, and he found a way that that worked in his brain. He found a way that worked, you know, not so much 
you know, despising money. He didn't say that, but he was talking about how he knew that there was a process in his mind about why he spent certain money. And I got to believe that gets to the brain thing that you're talking about and finding ways that, that really resonate with uh, the good we really want. Cause I've heard you talk about that. Like the planning piece is not just about planning to some vague objective. Like Amanda, you guys have talked about these goals should excite you. So as even as he's turning those pages, you know, for the days without charging anything, there should be an excitement that's associated with, with some goal in mind. Is that right, Amanda? Yeah, and I love how in his story he just shared, you know, it was a perfect reflection of kind of his personal finance, his his financial personality. Uh, mm. And, you know, that worked for him, and he just kept leaning into it and using that to continue making progress. You know, somebody else who might have a different financial personality, maybe they need something else. But that's part of what Jonathan was referring to earlier as um, just uncovering that past um, history with money and really unpacking your own money mindset, you know, as, as a popular term that's circulated out there, um, yep. kind of encompassing that. Um, but when we know that, we can then approach finance in that personal way. Um, and Jonathan and I at WalletWin, we do teach people a step-by-step, we, we call them the 12 money milestones, and we do it in that way because we want it to be as easy as possible to focus on the one thing right in front of you. And then when that has been done, you can move on to the next thing. And that also lights up in our brains, kind of that reward cycle, right? We're making progress. We're seeing it. It's not just this endless goal of, I need to retire someday, this elusive thing. We have Mm. an actual plan in front of us. And we know kind of those virtual, virtuous practicals that we can use in handling of our everyday finances to get us to the next thing. And then we're just continuing to make progress as we go along, all for the glory of God. That's beautiful. And why don't we take a moment here, just uh, tell people how they can reach you at your work with WalletWin. Yeah, um, if you go to WalletWin.com, that you'll, you'll find us. You'll find all the things that we do. We have a podcast called The Catholic Money Show. If you search Catholic Money Show, wherever you listen to podcasts, uh, you'll be able to find us. Uh, or if you're on social media or on Instagram at WalletWin as the username. Uh, and then you can learn more at the website. You'll learn more about WalletWin Academy, which is the home of the Catholic Money course. Uh, we have our fam- Catholic Family Emergency Binder, WalletWin Kids classes, the big Catholic calendar, um, a financial marriage prep program. There's a lot of things uh, there's a lot of ways to invite God into your finances. Maybe that's really the big first step to take and say, hey, all right, I've invited you into this part of my life and that part mm-hmm. of my life, and even that one I wasn't quite sure if I wanted you in, but wow, it's good that you're there. Okay, I think I'm ready. I'd like you to come into my finances. And then, you know, that's why we're here, to help, help that happen. We also had a book published oh, yeah. just one year ago, almost, with Our Sunday Visitor, um, so if you go over to their bookstore, you can find uh, our book there. Yes, it's uh, How to Attack Debt, Build Savings, and Change the World Through Generosity, A Catholic Guide to Managing Your Money. You can find it you know, anywhere that you buy a book. You should be able to get it or have them order it for you. Fantastic. Well, again, I've, I've been just marveling at, at your great work and the way that you've helped us in the marriage community and Joyful Ever After uh, was just been a, just a beautiful 
beautiful addition because that's where people are coming to us. They're coming saying, look, these are the two big issues we're dealing with, whether it's sexual intimacy with theology of the body or whether it's money. These things really have both a, you know, a supernatural and a natural dimension. And I love the way you all approach with this. We've got um, a time, I think, for another call here. Paul is calling from South Mississippi, and he's uh, got something to say about the whole higher education and college costs, that whole there. Welcome, Paul. Hey, thanks for having me on. I um, have worked my whole life in uh, higher ed. And then just to have some, some I think, um, suggestions about saving money on college. Obviously, if you can go to one of the, uh, the Catholic sponsor institutions for relevant radio and perhaps get some scholarships, <clears throat> that's a great thing because you're going to get a great education. Um, if, you're, if you're looking for a bargain, your local community college and state college can save a lot of money. If you can have your student live at home, and and that does two things. It helps you to help that student not to go off and make the mistakes that so many students make when they go off to college and they're on their own and they just don't have the the guidelines and the I guess the guardrails that, that exist when they're at home. So that's a big help. But they're much more cost effective. And so, you know, if you can do two years at the community college and then transfer to get your baccalaureate degree if that's what you're desiring then that is a big, big, big savings. So just a yeah. few suggestions there in terms of uh, helping out. Yeah. Well, thank you, Paul. There's, um, again, that documentary you mentioned gets into depth of Paul's great point there of, you know, before we're making these decisions, it's almost like a treadmill. The treadmill, even beginning in elementary school to get into the good middle school, to get into the good high school in order to get into the good college. And, and then you kind of find yourself, you know, in this, in this financial situation, but to, to Paul's point, there are lots of other alternatives to getting that higher education. Would you say so, Jonathan? Absolutely. Uh, we're on this, this, like you said, this, this treadmill, this conveyor belt from, you know, some folks, you know, they're even, even before they, they're pregnant, they're trying to get on the wait list of the right preschool. And yes. not everybody needs to go to college. Uh, mm -hmm. There's, there's plenty of jobs and even well-paying ones that don't require a college degree. And maybe it's just not the best fit for everybody. Now, you can't know that when they're a baby, uh, but to keep that open mind as, as you're getting there, as you're approaching going off to college or as, as your kids are, to have those, those very intentional conversations. What, what really brings you to life? What do you think God's asking you to do? To do? And what is needed to do that? You know, maybe, hey, their, their entrepreneurial spirit, maybe they're selling coffee and donuts in the car line. Maybe they want to go start a business, you know, and maybe, I don't know, that tuition money might be better spending some seed capital uh, to help them get that off the ground. Uh, there's so many different ways, you know, community college, um, you know, online learning. There's so many different ways that you can be creative and find a way to get the education you need without uh, the financial hangover that it brings. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and just some other, um, just to add to the conversation, so, you know, I referenced the multi-pronged approach earlier to paying for college. So, you know, the, using something like community college or ways that we could fulfill maybe some college credits without having to pay those tuition costs, that's an excellent use of your resources. Um, you know, students, there's been studies that have shown that when students have a job during their college years, that it actually helps teach them not only that work-life balance, if you will, but also prioritization and task management, and they are shown to have higher GPAs, and they have a little bit of cash to maybe help pay for that schooling. And then, you know, as the, um, was just mentioned as well, is scholarships. 
there are people out there who are literally, their job is to teach high schoolers how to win scholarships. And even college students can still be applying for scholarships all the way through their entire collegiate career. So maybe the best paying job that they could get in college is just learning how to spend 10 hours a week applying for more scholarships. So there's just so many creative ways to avoid student loan debt if you can that it's always worth exhausting those before you would even go down that path. And just most people haven't ever been aware of that. And that's part of solving kind of this crisis is just drawing attention to some of these alternative solutions or conversations that could be had so that we really can set that next generation up for success. That's beautiful. You're listening to Jonathan and Amanda Texera of Wallet Win with your great wisdom. You can visit them at WalletWin.com. And they've got a Wallet Win Academy, some programs. They've got uh, resources. Just a great, great organization and great couple who uh, want to share their wisdom and their experience. Jonathan and Amanda, thank you so much for being with us and sharing your great gifts. We'll be right back. Thank you very much. Yes, thank you guys. Appreciate you. We'll be back on the outside of the break. You're listening to Trending with Timory. My name is Damon Owens, and we'll be right back. Listening to Trending with Timory, where you can discuss what matters most to you. Join the conversation, 888-914-9149. Wow, this has been a fantastic, fantastic time here. I'm so grateful that Jonathan and Amanda Texera sharing just a snippet, just a little bit of their great wisdom with their work with Wallet Win. You know, I thought the the whole concept and the you know the topic of money was super appropriate. You know, in the beginning of the year, we make so many resolutions, you know, we've had the, the 12 months prior and they often related to weight or it could be a spiritual life and getting new spiritual exercises for the new year, the time of renewal. But very often it's money as well, you know, that we've got this relationship that we're not exactly sure how we how it came about. You know, things, experiences in our lives, good, bad and ugly with money sort of frame a mentality about maybe how much we're capable of earning how much we ought to earn if we put it into a moral realm you know how we use debt you know whether it's to sustain a certain lifestyle as the, the caller said to buy things we don't need to uh, impress people we don't even like there's <laughs> something to that effect right uh, it's it's uh it's 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 something that requires us to deal either as as in every state of life as a single I guess we can exclude the vows of poverty for our religious categories, but even there, you know, what's the pain in that renunciation of of, of money? So I think it's inevitable, and I think that there is uh, a virtue in addressing it head on. And it kind of reminds me of the challenges in teaching this uh, theology of the body, St. John Paul II's great gift to the world that I've been privileged to teach for gosh, almost 21 years now. And in that same realm of coming to really own, coming to see the goodness, the truth, and the beauty about who we are made in God's image and likeness, it's almost like we're straddling these these two worlds, almost a dual citizenship where we can speak about God and the supernatural and the spiritual reality. And yet we're so grounded as God wanted it 
in this visible, physical, uh, visible, created world, right? And in that, from the very beginning, in that same verses we use so frequently, Genesis 1, Genesis chapter 2, it's this, this story of creation and our role in it. And grounding in those principles that may be theological, it may be philosophical, it may be spiritual, but grounding in those gives us that, that starting point to be able to be, as we say often, good stewards. And that stewardship is just, um, just a rich, rich reality that includes money. It includes our bodiliness. It includes our sexual power, being made male and female, our sexual identity. And these things have the power to create or take life. They have the power to enhance or to diminish your life or, or somebody else's life. And I'm really appreciative of people who know a whole lot more than I do when it comes to things like money as the Texeras. And I love when there's that translation, almost transposing, and that transposition uh, to, to things I do know and have had the privilege to teach, and as I mentioned here in the Theology of the Body. Because you know that stewardship, it literally affects not only our lives, it affects everyone around us. You know Our generosity, our uh, openness to how God wants to flow through us in order to, to bring about the kingdom and to bless others. And that stewardship in every stage of our life has a, has a different tone. It has a different melody. Um, it has a different experience. And even when we're experiencing something, you know, whether it's a, 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 whole, lot of, a whole lot of money or, or very little money, a, a whole lot of, of confidence in ourselves or very little confidence, we have an experience of that, obviously. But then we also have, <laughs> I laugh about that, we have, we have experiences about our experiences. We have feelings about our feelings, right? It's not just that we're broke, but we're ashamed that we're broke, right? Or, you know, I commit some uh, sexual sin or some other of the many, you know, sins. And then we have feelings about that. And that's that moment where, you know, the enemy comes in and he tries to transpose almost into a new key transpose what we've done into who we are. And every time that happens, we should have like this, this alarm, this, this conscious alarm that goes off that just says, no, 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 that is not of the Lord. That is not you, Lord. That is not your voice. And, you know, some call it the distinction between guilt and shame, where guilt is, you know, the, the recognition that we have done something wrong. Mea culpa, mea culpa, mea maxima culpa, right? But shame now is, is this uh, seeping into our identity. There's something that's, that almost tries to convince us that we don't just steal, but you're a thief, right? You're not just broke, but you're poor in the, in the, in the material sense, and that you, you're, you're not a, worthy to be a steward of any of, of God's creation. And, and that's where we've got to have you know, this communal support. And I've seen this, this kind of work, again, from our guests today, Jonathan and Amanda, with their walletwin.com. But what I love about their approach is, is that it's, it's deeply sacramental. It's deeply Catholic. It's, you heard them talk about the both and. You hear them talk about you know, this engagement with things in the created world as part of God's call for us. So I, I do, I'm, I'm aching with the pains of, of hearing of you know, really intractable financial situations that make it difficult not to, you know, to make dispersions about ourselves, not to be a shameful thing. 
and by shining light, by you know building a community, uh, folks like the Texeras and Walletwin are are really helping us to to begin and begin again. It's one of my favorite phrases. You'll hear that. God willing, I return with you as a guest host to begin and begin again. And that's uh, Saint Jose Maria Escrivá uh, really talks about what it takes to begin and to begin again in the spiritual life and in this in this pilgrimage and mastering our relationship with the created world, beginning with our bodies, right, our bodiliness, and then our sexuality, our masculinity, femininity, and then the things of the created world, like money. This is this is the raw material, the raw stuff that God wants to use in order for, you know, for our for our sanctification, for our literally becoming fully human. And that full humanity is a share in God's own divinity. So it's we have to be careful that we don't diminish or dismiss the things of the created world as if they in and of themselves are keeping us from God. Now, this is the raw material of what God has created. And uh, coming down to our, our end of our time here, but when we talk more about this origin story, we see that this is not the result of sin, that that money is not part of the fall in, in the in the you know theological or spiritual sense, that right in Genesis Two, well, actually Genesis one, one twenty-seven, uh, our, our God says, you know, have dominion over the earth and subdue it, and that dominion is not a domination; it's not an imposing of our will. It's a dominion that says, you, uh, as we'll see in Genesis two, we saw in Genesis two, it's as a son or daughter of God the Father, He has entrusted us with this role of ensuring that everything in creation can become what it ought to be, and beginning with ourselves. And in that sense, uh, you know, being good stewards of our money is whether how much we have or how little we have is the measure of uh, of that stewardship. There's a, a phrase of to tend and till the garden in Genesis two, right? that Hebrew phrase to ebud and shamar, and that's really an allegory or an anecdote of all of creation. So I, I love when there's deep pain. You know that we're dealing with in 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 life, and there are people here who have been through it, who are healed through it, and now as healed people are offering us that healing as well. So I highly encourage you to connect and see with Wallowin dot com and uh, see what the Texeras have to offer. If you're working or dealing with any financial issues and trying to reconcile that with your relationship with the Lord, that uh, they can help you. They can help you sort that out. Um, so we're we're grateful. We're grateful for that. I know that uh, I told a story about uh, when I was younger, my first sort of upside of revenue with pushing a coffee and donut cart, you know, during the gas crisis. That was way back in, gosh, 1978. And, you know, it would be another, you know, 10 years before I went face to face on the other side, that that debt side. But then a few years later, you know, meeting my beloved Melanie, we went through during our engagement uh, a real um, focus on making sure that we started out on a good financial foot. So ups and downs, ups and downs, and such is the spiritual life. Well, this has been a de- delight for me. My name is Damon Owens again, a guest host here for Trending with Timory. I hope I get a chance to speak with you again and be with it. And uh, this has been a discussion on the love of money. God bless you all, and we'll see you soon.